Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Oshawa Knights Internet Radio Broadcast. I am your host, Master Thompson from Oshawa Knights. Uh, we have a very interesting discussion ready to go today, which is based sort of loosely on some some dialogue that we had last week during uh, a top uh, last week's topic discussion, which was based on cloning. Uh, Anton, who is with us, and Charles, who is who is uh, helping us out today by engineering the show. Thank you again, Charles, for doing that. Uh, got into a short uh, back and forth last week about um, personality, sort of personality, character, individuality, however you want to phrase it. Uh, basically, the essence of a person during that discussion. And a couple questions were asked, and uh, those questions really couldn't be explored because it would have kind of taken us off off topic, but I thought it would be a great topic to explore today. And that is where do we where does our individuality or our essence come from? And uh, if I can just kind of get into this just a little bit and I'm gonna turn I'm gonna turn the question over to, to the guys. But you know I, there was a member on Ashlamites, I, I refer to him often when 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 topics come up that are that have to do with definitions versus descriptions, and this 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 person is no longer with Ashlanites, but while he was there, he he brought up some very provocative points of interest uh, in politics, in 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 psychology, and spirituality, philosophy, so on and so forth. And we he and I got into a lot of vigorous debates about a great many things, but what was always a very common thing for me with him was I was always amazed at how he, and he represents a good portion of the public, are so stuck on definitions. You know, a lot of people are stuck on, on, on definition. And it's understandable because how we understand our universe and our world depends on how we interpret everything around us and how we come to some consensus about all these constructs and paradigms and any other powerful, power, useless adjective you want to describe that encompasses the world around us. We all have to have some basic line of agreement that, um, that uh, basically we... We all agree the color. We all agree the color black is black. We all agree that white is white. We agree that red is red. We agree that up is 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 up and down is down. And you know, a solid is a solid, and a, a gas is a gas. I mean, these are basic things that uh, that we all agree upon. But because there are details to everything, is where things become very confusing and then these confusing things become sort of a gray area and not just the definition remains constant but description starts to sort of shoot off into a whole new type of measurement a new type of 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 dimension and now we have semantics and we have gray areas and we have 
technicalities, and we have all these different things. We have quantum physics, if you will. You know, we have all these different things that sort of allude to the, to the absolute, but can be taken in different ways. And we see that in a lot of philosophy. We see that in a lot of the paths we follow. It's very, very important that we try to find as much foundation, as much concrete definition as we can before we start putting our own interpretation to things and before we start spinning things and twisting things to come to a perspective that we feel comfortable with. All right? So that said, that said, we're talking about where our individuality comes from. And, and if there was a topic that had a lot of gray area to it, it would have to be this. Because individuality or the essence or the soul, the unique characteristics that make a person unique, I guess, <laughs> um, these are hard. This is hard to sort of put a definition to. Because there are so many different ways to look at it. Some look at it from a, uh, a clinical point of view. Some look at it from a spiritual or a philosophical point of view. And then they put their, their descriptions to that. And those descriptions become definitions. And now we have conflict. But what is the, ulti the, the ultimate bottom line? What is individuality? What is a person's essence? And where does it come from? And how are how do we become shaped and molded into the people that we are? Well, I believe it's a whole spectrum, a whole host of things, but primarily, and this is my personal view, primarily it comes from something else. The nucleus, the central part of our individuality is not something that's embedded in our genome. I don't think anything that has to do with our individuality, excuse me, our our psyche, our, in, our psyche, psychic individuality, if you will, has anything to do with our genome. Genome is a list of directions that basically tell what to grow and what to be shaped and how something will, you know, basically look like or how it will form. I don't think it has anything to do with our consciousness or our deep consciousness, so to speak. I think something else is at work. And I think that once we, once we are in the womb and we're gestating and we're ready to, you know, we, we serve our nine months and we come out and everything, everything shapes and molds us into who we're going to be. You know, Plato and, 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 and Aristotle, they had debates about this. You know, one believed that uh, the, the human being was a blank slate until he, was, he or she was born. And the other one believed that there was some sort of, uh, they carried some sort of uh, basic essence with them that would either be, that would be shaped and molded as they were born and grew and, and became the person that they were going to be. I personally think that there is some evidence to that. There, 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 there is. But before we get into that, I want to turn it over to the panel, and I want to start with Anton, because Anton, you, your, it was your question that inspired me to, to have this topic. We're talking about individuality or the essence of, 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 of a person. And as a Jedi, as a, as a, as a, as a Jedi student, 
and as a man of of practical um, of, of of practical being, what is your take on this? Do you believe that that we are shaped and molded into the good people, the bad people, the indifferent people, the crazy people, the warm and fuzzy people, the romantic, whatever it is, or do we carry some essence of that from the force or life force energy, the ether? parallel universes, alternate dimensions, whatever. And we are shaped and molded from birth and throughout our lives into the people we are. What do you what do you think? Um well I would rather go with the latter, but I would also say that uh, we as human beings have a choice to make. We we all choices to make in general. We um not only we are we um, changed through um, basic ways the world uh, affects us, but um, we also make decisions. We choose to um, to do things, to believe things, to um, think in a certain way, to understand things the way we do. Um, sure, th- there are limits to this. I mean. You, you can't just um, you can't just choose, for instance, to believe anything, because belief, frankly, is not a choice. But um, you can choose how you act, for instance. Uh, yeah, this is a, a little a little narrow question. Um, as for the you know um, the grand question as to you know, where where our individuality comes from. Yeah, the problem we have is that what do we mean by individuality? What is it? Um, what is it that we want to attribute to something else? And um, it's not a matter of what it actually is. It's just a matter of what do we understand under this label? What do we agree this label means to us? That's that's what a definition is. We don't find definitions in nature. We make them. Mm-hmm. Which is um, which is. Well, that will take us into another topic, but that's an excellent point. You're absolutely right. It's the reason why I've always had a problem with definitions. Definitions, you know, I don't want to disavow the fact that we define things because we need to define things. We live in a world that's three-dimensional. We have... Oh, that, that isn't it, really. That isn't it, really. We, uh, we do make definitions uh, in order to communicate with each other. It's not that the world implies that things are different or separate. Um, but in order to understand what we mean, in order to, uh, you know, f- for our language and our communication to be practical, which, by the way, is an essential part of um, what a human species would be. I mean, you wouldn't expect uh, anything social to come from something that cannot communicate with uh, with the same kind. So... Uh, that we choose labels and um, choose to understand certain things under these labels and try to agree on the labels um, is a result of the necessity to communicate. If we didn't have to to talk to other people, we wouldn't care for definitions at all. Hmm. Well, I kind of see it a different way. I, I you, 
all right, if we if we had no knowledge of anything outside our world, the planet Earth, all right, I would say, yeah, that's that's absolutely that could be true. But because the the universe has provided a language that I think any species, whether it's human beings or whatever else could be out there, it's a unifying language that is, we interpret it as math. Somebody else might interpret it as something else. I mean, these things cannot be, you know, that, it's, it's, it's how do I want to say this? Like, um, if we looked at, like, let's take, uh, you and I were, you, you, you had made a comment in the, um, the chat before this, this topic about, about the Jedi Code, okay? I'm going to use that as an example. If we take a line from the Jedi Code, alright, uh, pick one. You can pick any line you want. Uh, let's take the last line. There is no death, there is only the Force. Well, okay, we know what the word death means, because we've all agreed upon what death represents. Death means the end. It's finite. That's, the end of it. There is no more biological uh, machinations happening. There is no consciousness. It is. It is. It, it's done. It's over. Death further goes into sort of a a description. Okay, because the definition is a clinical a clinical definition. But we also go further. We go into civics, and we go into um, maybe some aspects of. Of, of of spirituality and religion, definitely, obviously, because we have to we have to reconcile that death. And how do we reconcile that death? Well, we have to prepare that body. We have to put that body in the ground. We have to have a ceremony. We have to have um, all these different habits and rituals that we go through for the dead. There is also a biological um, issue, which is more of an emotional thing. We have to reconcile it emotionally, which comes. So there are all these different. These all these different categories that sort of branch off from the agreed upon definition of death that in their own way can sort of form their own unit that can define death on its own. Death can be an emotional death. Death can be a spiritual death. Death can be, it's not just a biological death. Death can be a mental death. A death can be anything you want it to be because there are so many key categories that are affected by this, by, by the aspect of the death. And then when we say there is only the Force, well, there are a great many different cultures. To, to Jedi, the Force is the omnipotent, all-present, everlasting force of energy that creates, surrounds, binds, and penetrates, and all that other good stuff. But to a Christian, it could be God. To a Muslim, it's something else. To a Jew, it's something this. And to a, a Scientologist, it's something something else. All right? So now you're going into, you're going into notions that have become constructs, such as religion and philosophy, so powerful, so heavy, so, so measurable, that now when you take the concept of death, and you relate it to something that we've given, we've given weight to. It was never ever, there was never ever anything that existed before. Let me be careful here. And I don't mean to offend anybody's, anybody's religion, but I'm speaking from just my own 
my own my own sentiment here. But before human beings arrived on the scene, and and we perceived, and we started to in, innovate, and we started to we started to push forward and grow and thrive. We had to create all these different things to help explain and help rationalize the universe and the world around us. Before that, there, I, I, I want to say there was really no consciousness understanding of the divine. So, but what was what was present was death and destruction, planets forming, heavenly bodies uh, morphing into bigger heavenly bodies. This essence, this has always been the constant, life and death, death and destruction, uh, cre- death, destruction, creation, and growth. And then the circle goes on and on and on. This has always been a constant. And not just in, uh, on, the create, uh, on the level of creation, but in the level of the universe, but in life. Life mimics that of creation, that of the universe. So that definition is secured. But now we've given so much weight, so much mass to these other things these other notions. They're not notions anymore. The idea of a God is not just an idea anymore. To 96% of people on the earth, they believe in something bigger. They've given momentum to, to, some, to, to, to an idea. And when you take death and you relate it to something that can't be defined, it becomes something entirely different. So when we look at consciousness, uh, uh, Anton, you're asking me where the 96. I'll when I when I give the floor back to you, I'll get you the statistic. We have it on our website. Um, when we relate death, and we, oh, excuse me, when we take individuality, which is something that I look at on the same level as the force, because it can't be defined, but be, but it. It can be categorized in so many under so many prime headings, like spirituality, like consciousness, the psyche, uh, uh, however, you know, the other 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 aspects of 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 our world that we we use to. And it's very hard to come to a place where, like you said, how do you agree upon what? the essence of a person is. How do you agree? Is it a soul? Is it the brain? Is it the genome? Is it, what is it? And I think before we try to scratch the surface and, and say, okay, well, this is where individual, individuality comes from, we have to understand where that spark comes from. Charles, what do you think? Do you think that that spark, a piece of that spark, or a, a, you know, some portion of it, comes with us when we're born? Or is it something that is developed in the womb, outside the womb, and we become who we are because we're shaped and molded based on the uh, experiences of life? Well, I'd say a bit of both, to be honest. And what I mean by that is if you believe that there's a divine spark that is interacting with you, that is a part of your physical makeup in some sense, some, uh, some interconnection to a higher power, then it is being influenced as it is influencing. That is to say, if the divine spark is what makes me get back up, it also learns when it's time to sit down. It also learns when it's time to not push. It gains as much as it gives, if that makes any sense. If there's a, if there's a guiding force, 
that exists within a person, then the method by which we interpret and understand that guiding force is molded and shaped as well. Uh, to give an example, because examples are nice, and this is only one case of it, this is as far from scientific proof as you can get because it's one case in an uncontrolled environment. But my first mentor, really the person who taught me everything I know on mysticism, or at least all of the stuff that I that I started with and a lot of what the basics for what I do is, uh, when he was younger, I think he would have been 12, he was in a car crash, destroyed most of his brain. His mom had to rehabilitate him and teach him to write, to talk, and all of those things over again. The doctors said he would never be the same person. Uh, he would never have the same wants, the same anything. They said he would never be functional again also, and he is. He's actually very functional. I've also seen the scans of his brain, and most of it is dark. You know how when they do a, a neuro scan on your brain, how it's all nice and lit up? Yep. Yeah, that would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> For him. Um, but there's like big black spots where there's just nothing. It's just kind of like there's spots where the brain's like, yeah, we gave up there and just routed around. Now, some of that you can put down to the human body's willingness to survive. But from a biological imperative, I question the very nature of such a thing when every other case I've heard of has been a shutdown after that. People became vegetables. They didn't recover. They certainly didn't learn to walk and talk and write and read. They certainly didn't become aircraft mechanics. Um, but here you have it. This guy, at one point, uh, and he always jokes, he says the universe was against him working because he's, he finally went to disability after injuries exceeding even that that destroyed his back and other things. Um, but, you know, he walks, he talks, he can work on an aircraft better than anyone. His knowledge base on mechanics is astounding, and he's using... You know, you know they, they, there's the old joke that we only use 20% of our brain, and every time it comes up, the argument is made, no, we use all of it, we just don't use all of it to its full capacity. In his case, he's using 20% of his brain, and he's doing better than 90% uh, of the people that I know that are using 100%. In fact, yeah, in fact, he may be doing better than 95, you know. Um, so with that in mind, I've got to believe there's something behind it, because he says he has memories of the recovery. He has memories of thinking of experiencing an awareness of the events and knowing that he could retrain his brain but not understanding how he knew that knowing that he could reroute the way things were working but not really having a full grasp of that now the other side is that that could simply be the biological function of his brain kicked over in some very unique way and the problem-solving system kicked in and started doing a reroute to me though to me, that is a, a strong evidence in favor of a divine spark, because this is recording while the main system is off. This is the equivalent right. of your computer's hard drive just totally eating itself, okay? I mean, right. just wiped out. The operating system is gone, and yet the processor kicks in and is like, nah, screw that, we're not done yet, and starts writing a new operating system on the boot sector, and you're there going, what the hell, my computer's back, and it's like, yeah, but I'm going to need you to go... You know, you get a message that's like, I need the Windows disk because I'm missing five files and I'm going to fix this. That doesn't happen. That's not the way the system is built. And the human brain, to the best of my knowledge, 
operates more like that hard drive and computer. When you get a crash like that, it's not going to rewrite. It's certainly not going to be aware enough to know and try to rewrite parts of the boot sector. But it was. And to me, that, that implies a force external to the mechanics thereof. External to simply the biological function. And that's only one example. You know, I've had moments of it where, you know, ah, the best example I can give is a uh, dead stone drunk. I can bring myself out of that state for moments, usually. Yeah. I don't do it enough to become skilled at this, but I can become very sober for about 20 seconds if I need to be. I mean, like, scary sober, like walk a straight line, you know, box, whatever I would need to do perfectly on my feet for about 20 seconds, and then I'm back out. There's something that exists that I've worked with that goes beyond the biological functioning system that allows me to cut things out, to walk right. on torn tendons when the pain signal says it can't, to do things that just defy reason. And to me, that says something more than the mechanics, and that gets into the concept of the individual. And I would say the individual is in part that something. You call it a soul, you can call it God, you can call it the force, whatever you want to call it. That's something that exists that I'm connected to that is driving the bus. It's also being influenced, though. You know, if I have memory that seeps into this, if I have experience that feeds back into this, then I cannot disconnect this, this body, these hands, you know. And we, I really wish we had video sometimes because I'm, like, flexing my hands as I say this to prove a point, and I know no one can see that. <laughs> but, you know... These hands, this body, the muscles, all of these things are connected to that then, and it's receiving input. It's receiving an understanding on a very base level that goes beyond the animal monkey brain and is being stored. Now, that's also in conflict with whatever the animal monkey brain is receiving because it's got its own imperative. It's built to keep the body functioning despite whatever my silly soul decides to do. And this gets into things like self-sacrifice, like giving up your own life to save someone else. You know, this comes to a point where the animal monkey brain has given up or has been beaten by something else at the base level of it. And the question of why that exists or what that is is impossible to define, but yet at the same time, it takes and receives its own input. And it receives and takes and makes its own decisions and will override that that base animal part. Now, is that something in the brain? Is that something ethereal that cannot be touched upon by our, by our current sciences? Or is it something else? Well, if I had the answer to that, you know, we'd be taking a trip on my yacht while we had this discussion. Um, but I don't have the answer to that. What I have is a really, really firm standing belief from experience that whatever that is, it's very much connected to the body, but separate from the body, that it continues even in spite of the body's own wills and wants, and thereby in spite of the body's own death. Okay. Uh, Anton, your thoughts? Well, yeah, especially on, on the um, first case with, um, with Charles Minter. Um, and I believe we've spoken of this before. I mean, all, 
basically what this shows is we well it doesn't show anything actually it we just have a, an event that is occurring well that is not occurring um, at least to my knowledge quite frequently so we have at least a rare event if not even a unique event and uh, to jump from that to the um, to some you know magical divine intervention is basically an argument from ignorance fallacy it's a god of the gaps application you don't know how this happened you don't know it could even happen so therefore magic did it okay. and yeah all right all right let me uh, all right well let me put this let me put this out there um you know I've never I, I I've never been a pet owner, but I've seen you know I, I've been to kettles, I've seen I've been to people's uh, my friends' houses where their their dogs have had you know uh, litters of puppies, you know, and uh, I, I can't quite remember ever being present when the, the the puppies are coming out, but I've been there a day after the puppies were born, and uh, you know. Uh, a litter of puppies is what an average of what six, seven, eight. I, I don't know. Because I, I remember uh, uh, at least more than seven puppies in this in this this kettle. And what th what struck me was the personalities of these puppies. Already out of the gate, the puppies. You know, some were some were really energetic. Some were kind of close to the mom. Some were. You know what I mean? Like some some. I just remember seeing different personalities in the puppies. Now, my brother and sister, another example, my brother and sister, they're fraternal twins, okay? So, you know, it's a whole different thing. You know, one's a boy, one's a girl. Obviously, gender, environment, nature versus uh, uh, nurture, you know, all these different things. As I said in the beginning of my segment, there's a whole host of things that play into the idea the idea of the just the, the notion of individuality, all right? Um, well, I shouldn't say notion. It's true. There are, I mean, people are individuals, period, okay? But where that essence comes from, there's a whole host that goes into that, that mixture, all right? Um, genetic uh, uh, genetic di uh, directives, obviously, if you're born with a shorter leg, if you have one nipple, if you have uh, a cleft palate, if you have a dimple in your chin, if one eye is blue and one eye is brown, these things obviously are going to have some impact on your personality. All right, You're not going to fit in with the majority of people around you. You're going to look different. Um, where you're born, how you're born, if there are complications. I mean, there's a whole, just a whole host of things that go into shaping and molding a person's personality. But what I find interesting, and I can't escape this, is on day one, on day one, there is a personality. Some babies cry. Most babies cry. Some babies don't. Some babies recognize their mother right off the bat. There's a whole, I mean, you can look this stuff up. There's, there's websites devoted to the interesting things that newborns do upon birth that just 
defy reason, that go beyond clinical understanding. Um, excuse me, how so? Well, I, mean, I, I, don't, I, I mean, I don't have any of these things in front of me. I, but I, yeah, I, yeah, but I, I'm just thinking, okay, so we have, like, newborn babies, and they behave differently. Of course, now, absolutely. Have you ever, Anton, have you ever watched this, this TV shows on Lifetime? This, this, they even have shows devoted to this stuff. I'm in the gym at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm looking at, unfortunately, you know, <laughs> if I can't get the treadmill with Sports Center in front of me, I've got to look at... Uh, there's a TV, there's a TV uh, uh, network. It's not Lifetime. It's one of these, you know what I'm talking about. It's one of these programs that just, they're devoted to like hospital rooms and stuff like that. Well, they have one that's newborns. And they've got the, they've got the, uh, the closed caption thing. And I'll never forget one, th- there was something that the baby did. The baby immediately recognized its mother. And it, it did something that the doctors and the nurses were absolutely floored. It floored them. I can't remember what it was. I just remember looking up going, wow, that's something, huh? Boy, it just, I said to myself, proof positive that there is something that comes with us. Now, what that, what the size of that something is, Anton, I don't know. I don't know if it's yeah. the... And, and where at the beginning again? If we say that the differences that, you know, between the behaviors of babies uh, or, you know, especially such unique cases are... Um, that which we define as personality, basically differences between people. Well, all right. So then this, then we could say, okay, the personality comes with birth already, if not even before that. Okay. If, let me. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you continue. Yeah. I yeah. Didn't and and the thing is, um, this entire notion. I mean, it, it collapses. It falls together the moment we. Um, decide to attach something else to the label. And that's that's a frequent problem with labels that are so ill-defined, so so vague. Yeah, I would agree with that. But let's let me let me kind of let me come at you from what I think might be and I don't want to say your angle because I don't want to define your angle as anything other than what you what your angle is. I don't know what it is in your mind, but let's let's take away philosophy, let's take away spirituality. Let's take away the magic, let's take away all that, you know, supernatural shit, right? Let's talk about behavior, let's, let's approach individuality from a behavioral point of view, okay? Because that's clinical, yeah? That's clinical, and that's defined, and that's uh, reasonable, okay? So if we were to define, if we were to interpret individuality from a behavioral perspective, now, Let's make this easy. Let's let's brush away all the complex bullshit that has come about in the twenty in the in, in the 19th, 20, and now in the twenty first century, like things like you know behavior disorder and this. Uh, let's just take it down to like basic shit, basic stuff like happy, sad, um, evil, good, uh, you know things like that. A, bit, a newborn, we have a newborn, okay, and the newborn is fussy. The newborn is crying like most newborns do, okay, because that newborn now fits into uh, a category that's familiar. I don't know what the percentage is, but let's say there's a, a high percentage that most new, that newborns, most newborns are crying and they're fussy. Nothing out of the ordinary. 
The newborn's crying, the newborn's fussy. The newborn, the, you know, every, all the other practicums are, 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 are normal, temperature, warmth. You know, the newborn is, is the newborn hungry? No, well, we're feeding the newborn. We're making sure the newborn's getting plenty of UV. Uh, we're, we're doing everything we can to make sure that new, that newborn is the same as all the other newborns in its category. Okay, that it seems to be uniformed with all the other newborns doing the same thing. That newborn comes home. What happens? What is the difference from when you take that newborn out of its uniformed environment in the hospital? Because you are you following me? Because the you the newborn is in just picture, like mentally picture, like uh, uh, what do they call it in the hospital, Charles? When they have all the what, what, what's that department? Anybody know? I can't think of the the newborn the newborn section. Okay. Uh, I know prenatal care is for the uh, the uh, oh, what's the word for um? You guys, you guys know what I'm. Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking. For prematures, it's prenatal care, so it would be uh. Oh yeah, I know what you're saying though. Postnatal right. post so, or something? Yeah, something yeah. like that. All right. So picture a big room, guys. A big room. Picture like Kurt. Uh, 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 picture just this this giant room, and like cut it in cut it in half. No, cut it in, take three quarters of that room, and the babies are crying. The babies are wearing white. They've got the the white bonnets. They're all fussy. They're all on their 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 heart and and, and uh, uh, diagnostic uh, uh, measurement apparatus or whatever the hell they got hooked up to them. They're all doing the same thing. It's all uniform, all uniform. All right. Each of those babies have met their parents, and there's nothing extraordinary, nothing out of the ordinary. Nobody, no baby did anything else. No baby said, "Oh, it's my mother." And da da da. Everybody, every baby did the same shit. Everybody got the same amount of food. Or, excuse me, I shouldn't say the same amount of food. Every baby was fed when it, it, it was needed to be fed, changed when it was needed to be changed, so on and so forth. You guys got the point. The parents start to take these babies home. As soon as they pick up their babies, they pack it, bundle them up, and put them in the, the, the minivan or whatever, and they drive home. What changes? What changes? See, this is the problem. This is the problem when you, when you just look at it from a clinical point of view. It doesn't work because all the conditions were pretty much, I'm going to say 90%, I'd even go higher, but at the risk of just, you know, I'm going to say 90% of the conditions that all these uniform babies were in, what changes to make them become individuals? Well, as you both have pointed out, there's, Stimuli. Stimuli is a big part of it, all right? These babies are experiencing uh, movement. They're experience, experiencing weightlessness. Well, some type of weight. They, they, they're not putting weight on their own bodies, but they're feeling pressure from arms holding them, okay? Some, some babies might respond to that. Oh, I feel good. This feels good being held. I like this part. I like being held. I'm not going to cry anymore. I'm in this car. I feel this movement. My eyes, what are babies seeing? They're seeing images flash, like, by them as the car is moving. They get to this, this new home, a new place. There's smells. There's a temperature change, a clear temperature change. There's a crib. There's, 
the sensation of laying on a new pad. There's, you know, the, the sensation of a different touch. Okay, the nurse's touch is going to be different than a mother's touch when they're changing. So, and this is why today um, newborn care is all mother-oriented. They're taking the nurses out of it because this is such a factor with newborns. All right? It's this, mo this new, more organic sort of uh, uh, post-baby uh, thing sort of psychology that they've got going on. They want the mother to feed. They want the mother to change. They want the mother to nurse. They want all these different things. They want the mother involved. Now, guys, they've got the mother pulling the fucking baby out of them. Have you guys seen this? Has anybody seen this? I've seen it. It's happening. Mothers are pulling their own babies out of them because they want the mother to be the first touch, the first sort of the first sense of stimuli these babies have because these factors are such are so impactful on the on the way a baby shapes its impressions of its world. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, do these, are these first moments of a baby's life determinant of if they're going to be good, if they're going to be bad, if they're going to be evil, if they're going to be, you know, supervillains? Are they going to be, you know, the next uh, Messiah? Are they going to be the next, you know, Muhammad? Are they going to be the next, you know, whatever? Is, is the next Buddha in this, depending on how a mother takes care of them right from day one? I don't know, but it's fascinating that in those first moments when the, the conditions change, whatever spark these children come into the world with begins to be affected. And, that is, and these are facts. Well, these are facts based on what the mind heads tell us today. And, this is what the mind, and, and these facts are what all these clin clinicians and all these, uh, you know, these, these, these scientists and these doctors have agreed that, in front, and they come to this agreement from, from, from application, study, research, and observation. So while it may not be 100% truth, it definitely is these, def these, 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 basic, these basic understandings are a strong, powerful hypothesis. So what happens to make us be the people we are? It, can it only be how our environments shape and mold us? Can it be that certain spark that we're all coming into the world with is predispositioned toward certain things? I believe so. I do. I don't think Aristotle was correct when he said we all come in as, as was it Aristotle or one of those guys? They said that we, we come in as blank slates. That's, I don't believe that. There's no way. Two twins. You brought this up last week, uh, Anton. Two twins. When you have two identical twins, they are, I, their genome is completely 100% identical with maybe 0.01% uh, differential. There might be a birthmark or something somewhere. There might be you know, a shorter something. There might be, you know, something might be off in some, some way. All right? But they're not the same personalities. They're brought home in the same van. They're nursed the same way until they start to show individuality. You may not feed this one 
at the same time as the other. You may not you may not hold this one the same as the other one because the other one probably doesn't want to be held. You, you, you're going to do things completely different, and they're going to grow up completely different, which is what was last week's topic about Orphan Black. You've got nine different clones with nine different personalities. So there's got to be something more than just the clinical that defines us as individual uh, as individuals it has to be something more no anton um well i mean we could of course say that every child that develops beyond that what one would be, uh, be expecting in a certain environment and it doesn't have to be a child. We, we could take something simpler. Anything that goes beyond that, which you would expect under the circumstances, is a testimony to that there is something more. Now, if uh, whether there's something more is in fact clinical, physical, and we just happen to not have observed it properly or not having paid attention, or whether it is indeed something supernatural, we we cannot tell even the difference between those two. Okay, I can go with that. I, I just want to make I just want to point out the irony is never lost when we are in these discussions and the church bells are ringing behind you. <laughs> when we're talking about things like there's got to be something more or something less, and there's the church bells going off in Anton's back. Um, well, it's one o'clock, and and I think this is a great topic. You can continue this topic online on our website. If you go to our philosophy uh, and spirituality section of our board, there's some interesting um, the, the topics in, in, in there, and I, I posted an article that um, I found in research of this topic that I found actually sort of put some perspective into this question. Uh, before we go, Charles, I want to give you the last word. If there's anything you want to say lastly on this topic, um, I would just say that, you know, and we talked about this a little bit in text, people are going to polarize on this topic, regardless of what we say, regardless of how we say it, because what it is is people are going to go to the view that suits them best. At the end of the day, uh, I could make a really good case that any view formed on this is a view formed out of ignorance, because it's such a complex yeah. system. Yeah. You know, we're not talking about even... Even the example I used with the hard drive and processor, that's a very, very simple system. When you take and break that thing down to its microcircuitry, I can map that sucker for you. Um, it'll take several books worth of pictures to do it, but it can be done. And I can map that sucker down to a degree that, you know, given maybe 20 years, even a novice individual could understand how that processor, the hard drive, and all of that works to its finite detail. And I can't do that with the human body, the genome, the thought processes, and the events in that person's life, or even how that can interrelate between events in the environment, weather patterns. You're talking about you're talking about a living being in a complex ecosystem. You can't map that stuff out. You just can't. And when you look at that, any view formed is a view formed out of comfort, whether it's a view for... Uh for or against the concept of a soul, because it's comfortable to address the idea. When you address it with any level of certainty to yourself, you're doing that for comfort's sake. And that's just, you know, the 
final word that you ask for? All right, that's a good final word. Uh, a great show. I, I think next week, uh, Anton was in the chat room earlier with me for a moment before the show, and we were talking about the Jedi Code. Um, I know we've talked about the Jedi Code, you know, ad nauseum on so many different forms and so many different perspectives, but what we haven't done with the Jedi Code, which Anton just sort of gave me the idea for, is try to make it better. Try to make it non-paradoxical, if, you can, if we can. Um, try to take the conflict out of it. Um, maybe try to redefine it. Maybe reshape it. Derek, <laughs> Derek, Master Thompson, I've got to say, there is no conflict. <laughs> so I think we're going to give that a shot next week. I, Anton, you... You just like I, I, you're like my uh, my talk show muse these these last couple of weeks. Thank you very much. Um, but before we go, Charles, do you have any uh, announcements for this week? Your show. You know, I don't know what's going on with my show this week. I may be uh, taking the week off. I haven't quite decided yet. Okay. I've got a lot of topics I, I want to cover, but I've also got a sore throat from uh, sparring earlier. As funny as that's going to sound. Um, so I don't know if we're going to be hitting on anything. And also we still have the Soul Sword Guided Meditation up. And I might, well, I might want to give that another week of exposure because of it, it is such an advanced and yet such a baseline technique. It's one of those things that if you learn it and can master it, you can master anything within mysticism. Really, honestly, if you can take the tools to use the Soul Sword to the point where you could call out that essence while holding an actual, you know, boken or something like that in sparring and see the improvement in it, if you can get to that point, there's there's nothing beyond you and mysticism, at least nothing beyond what can be done. You're not going to shoot lightning out your ass or fire out your eyes, and if you do, you'll be William Wallace, and you can lead us all to freedom. All right, sounds good. All right, so next week we're going to shoot for uh, reshaping, remolding, redefining, retooling, retooling the Jedi Code. Let's just leave it at that, retooling. Anton's correcting me here. No, I, I know that you didn't say that, Anton. I said that. So um, we're going to uh, approach that and see if we can have some fun with it. And uh, it won't be an Ashla Nights topic, but it will be an Internet radio topic, so we'll go with that. Have Charles, thank you again. And Anton, always a pleasure. Guys, have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.